0: Welcome to the Masters in Psychology podcast, where psychology students can learn from psychologists, educators, and practitioners to better understand what they do, how they got there, and hear the advice they have for those interested in getting a graduate degree in psychology. I'm your host, Brad Schumacher, and today we welcome Dr. Haley Perlis to the show. Since she was a 12-year-old junior world champion athlete, Dr. Perlis has aspired toward a career in sport and exercise psychology. Within one year of earning her PhD at the age of 28, she became a professor, public speaker, consultant to national team and division one scholarship athletes, published author and appointed industry leader. Together with her coaching, fitness and nutrition certifications, Dr. Perlis takes a 3D approach to helping people achieve their highest standard of performance in sport, business, and wellness. Today, we will learn more about her academic and professional journey, more about her practice and how Dr. Perlis educates, motivates, and inspires people to reach their peak potential. Dr. Perlis, welcome to our podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Brad. I'm uh, happy to be here and answer any questions to help everyone in psychology.
0: Well, I am glad that you're on the same page as me. I really enjoyed learning about your journey and uh, usually if you've seen our podcast, we quickly go over your academic and professional journey. So I see that you received your bachelor's degree in kinesiology at the University of Western Ontario. So tell me a little bit more about your undergraduate experiences. How did you end up in Ontario?
1: Well, I'm Canadian so. Okay. It was, um, that was kind of just the natural thing. There was a, there was a school two hours outside of Toronto in London, Ontario. And, uh, so the school was an easy pick close to home. I could still, I was a ski coach and Mm -hmm. I was a group fitness instructor and personal trainer. So I could still do all of that while going to school. And there was a kinesiology and psychology program.
0: Nice. A nice fit for you. And I did notice after I wrote up some of these questions that I believe you're from Toronto, Ontario. Is that right?
1: That's right. So I went to school just two hours outside of where I grew up.
0: That's always nice being close enough to home to go back if you need to. But then you attended the University of Florida. So you went far north to far south for your master of science in sport pedagogy. How did you end up in Florida from Canada?
1: So the move to the United States was at that time, what I was told was really the natural move if I wanted to focus on sports and sports psychology. Um, In Canada, we certainly have sport programs, of course, um, but there's not a lot of um, athletic scholarships. There's not a lot of athletes who um, are pursuing that. Usually, you know, athletes will move to the United States to go on to sports scholarships. And so it was just a I think, uh, more opportunity. And then I happened to know someone who was doing their PhD at the University of Florida, where I'm from, um, in sports psychology. So it was, again, just a connection and a, and a natural choice.
0: Well, then you actually attended, you went to Colorado, and so I'm going to share my screen here for a second, and I know you attended the University of Northern Colorado, and Greeley, Colorado, for your doctorate. You earned your PhD in sports psychology there. There are many other schools in Colorado that offer graduate degrees in psychology, so what drew you to UNC?
1: So at that time, there actually weren't many sports um... It's really social psychology of sport and exercise science, but, um, there weren't really many sports psychology programs. And I knew that I've always loved Colorado. Florida was a fabulous school. Um, I miss the seasons so if I'm completely honest, I chose the school. Uh, yes, the advisors were were wonderful. Um, and yes, the research or the application was, uh, was something that I was interested in, which was a lot of child development and, and social psychology of sport but I chose the school because it was in Colorado. I cannot lie about that. (laughs) And at that time, it really was one of the only, I know DU had a combined master's, but it was really slim pickings with regards to a PhD program.
0: Okay, and DU is Denver University.
1: DU is Denver University. So now they have a fabulous program. But Mm -hmm. when I was going, um, I'm not actually sure it was a PhD. I think it was a PsyD. And I think it was just getting started with um, Dr. A.
0: Well, that sounds like it. And and knowing your history, obviously, the changing of the seasons, as you said, was something that you missed and you actually uh, thrived on. And and so usually I ask my guests what initially attracted you to your respective field, your sports psychology and, and any advice that you might have for psychology students who are interested in that particular field.
1: Sure. I do believe I have a little bit of a unique story because I don't think everyone chooses their career at 12, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I did, I had a long story short. I had a fabulous coach when I was 12 years old who put a lot of pressure on me. In fact, one race, he pulled out a hundred dollar bill and put it in front of my face and told mm-hmm. me that he had bet on me to win. And so I, he had just really taught me about the preparation from a mental span standpoint to help you perform And he would kind of put me through this trial and error and made me, you know, a guinea pig to his pressure. He also brought a sports psychologist to come and speak to my team when I was 12. And so putting the two together, how he was coaching me and what the sports psychologist was saying. There was one day when I went home and I told my parents that I wanted to do sports psychology and I was 12 years old.
0: Mm -hmm. And that has stuck with you ever since because you kept going on and focused on that career, and then you actually are utilizing that now in your career today. So we'll get to that in a second. But um, one of the things that always comes to mind is, you know, you're 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 known in your field. Are there any bits of advice that you would have to psychology students who um, want to improve their skill or qualities or help themselves? prepare better for any graduate work in the field of sports psychology?
1: You know, really probably going to your website and doing all of the, and just reading all the research that you've done, Mm -hmm. if I could rewind, and it's not that I have regret, But I didn't know all I could have known as I was researching the schools, researching the different programs, understanding, truly understanding the difference between, um, you know, becoming a clinical sports psychologist and an educational sports psychologist and what that means as a career. I was fortunate because I really only wanted to work for myself, always wanted to work for myself. Uh, But that doesn't mean that when I knocked on the doors of colleges, they didn't turn me down because I wasn't a licensed psychologist, clinical psychologist. So Mm -hmm. I still had doors closed on me because of the schooling that I chose. So when people ask me for advice, it's really important to understand, you you just got to look forward and really understand what kind of career you want and make sure that you get the right education to support that.
0: And find the right supportive uh, team, advisors, mentors to surround yourself with instead of feeling all alone because sports psychology, uh, not a lot of people are in that compared to some of the other branches of psychology. So I'm sure there was some time there where you felt almost alone, but correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you surrounded yourself with the right people and you received the right uh, mentorship to, to guide you along your journey.
1: I did. In my program, I was one of two students in sports psychology. And now I believe there's probably at least a dozen uh, at least. And what I did just because I always wanted to be more of an entrepreneur and practicing. So in those role models, you know, those mentors that you talked about, yes, I had advisors, but I really looked outside of academia as well. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, really, really, looked and observed and watched what people who were applying the the art or science of sports psychology was doing.
0: So I read someplace in my research, and I I could probably pull it up if I found it again. But I remember that sports psychology has been coined as the science of success, because it studies how successful people optimize their psychological and emotional states for maximum results. In your own words, what do you do as a sport and performance psychology expert?
1: So it's interesting that you say that you, you know, coined the term science of of success, because I only thought that I would always work with athletes, just Mm -hmm. athletes. And then when I realized when I went through my education and started building a consulting practice and creating content and becoming a public speaker and living a life as an adult adulting. I realized that this mental toughness, the performance of psychology of sport, is not just for athletes. So, in my practice, I work with definitely athletes, but I also work with business people, health enthusiasts. Um, a lot of the business people that I work with bring me to their kids, you know. so I, it's more of an eclectic, holistic approach. Anybody who wants to stand on top of their own personal podium, which is the title of my new book, Personal Podium that I'm writing, mm-hmm. anyone who sta- wants to stand on top and achieve their gold standard of performance can come to me, and I work on helping them realize their true potential.
0: And I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, as you can see, I'm sharing my screen on your uh, website and it talks about your focus areas. And then it talks about you at a glance and what you are an expert in and what you can offer to your clients. And so here are some of the brands and media and publications and what others are saying about you as well. I like this quote that you put on here, a good picture of you. We need inner strength to maximize our outer strength as well. And so you can download a one-page overview, which I did, to learn more about Haley, some of the featured content, and you already mentioned some of the mental toughness minutes and, and a few minutes. I was actually uh, listening to one before you got on a few minutes uh, before the podcast, talking about mental toughness. And uh, you have a, a lot of those kind of uh, um, short, short minutes to actually reflect on how to become mental tough. in in your, not only in the sport, but in your business, in your professional uh, career as well. And so I'm glad that you brought that up. And so one follow-up question that I have to that is, in your experience, what are some of the unique challenges or considerations that you face when working with not only athletes, as you mentioned, teams or coaches, but uh, individuals as well as corporations or businesses. So what are some unique challenges or considerations that you typically encounter being a sports psychologist?
1: Sure, Great question, Brad. In in my career, you know, definitely doing public speaking and group training, but the one-on-one, I only get to work with that one person. Mm -hmm. And in that person's world, there's a lot of Uncontrollable factors. There are a lot of different people. Um, so in sport, it would be coach and parent, and and the whole and opponents. And in business, it would be colleagues and you know bosses and all of these things. But I only get to work with the one individual who's hiring me. Mm-hmm. So that's a challenge because you know a lot of the times. They want to <laughs> manipulate the entire environment. That's not something that we can do. We have to, again, just going to that quote that you just showed, only work on our inner strength or on, on our mindset to sometimes, sometimes we can manipulate the environment, change a few things. But most often, we just have to really um, change the way we look at the stuff that's going on in our lives. So I think a challenge is only being able to work with the one person when you, when sometimes you kind of want to get in there and work with the entire. Uh, world
0: <laughs> and, and that becomes complicated because each individual has their own unique um ways of looking at how to achieve a goal, and you have to come come to a commonality between and among everybody that you're working with. And you almost set the tone when you first, you know, especially as a public speaker, you set that tone when you first present yourself because a lot of people when they hear the word sport psychology, or sports psychologists, they automatically, what do they think of one-on-one with that athlete and that's it. But you have expanded that to include other teams, individuals, People that work with the athlete as well, as well as businesses and corporations and applying what you've learned in your own personal experience, what you have uh, written about in your in your books. And I'm going to share my screen here, too. You have multiple books out there. You already mentioned one that you are working on as well. And so it must be difficult to to work with that, but also a fun challenge for you instead of going one on one all the time, don't you think?
1: It is. It is a fun challenge. And, you know, again, to be honest, sometimes people will come, will come to me and they're interested because it was refer. you know, I was referred to them and they'll say, but you're only, but you're sports and we're not sports. We're this type of business. Right. And then other people actually love that aspect because everyone has some relationship to sports, whether they're a sports fan, whether they're mm-hmm. used to be an athlete where they had children in sports. So it is transferable and it, and it is, um, it is a new way. I shouldn't say new way because it's not that new, but it is a different approach to talking about mindset and performance of psychology, bringing sport into business. So some ways it's actually been a very natural flow in my career. And then other ways you actually have to have to really help them understand that even though you're bringing sport principles, the focus will be on whatever industry they're in.
0: Exactly, exactly. You do have a YouTube channel and and, uh, you have many different YouTube videos in here. As I said, I was uh, listening to this one before we started uh, talking today and uh, talking about mental toughness and and you're giving a summary of uh, Nadal's uh, post-interview after uh, he won uh, the championship, and and uh, you kind of summarized what he was uh, uh, talking about into two different principles. And so I, I like that the, you have these, uh, you know, two, three, five, this one was a little longer, and you laughed about that. Hold on, hang in there. It's a little longer than normal, but it actually was very good as well. So I like these snippets on mental toughness. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your new book that you're working on.
1: Yeah. So the new book is going to be called Personal Podium. And and again, it's sports psychology based, but it's applicable to anyone. And it's really about how to earn your own gold standard of performance in life. Mm -hmm. So whether you're pursuing sport, whether you're pursuing business, whether you're pursuing your health and wellness, you know, it's really understanding how can we have unshakable confidence? How can we um, stay focused on what's relevant? Mm -hmm. And how can we maintain motivation? So it's really about having the desire, having the belief and having the focus. And I go into really specific action steps. So I pride myself on cognitive behavioral science. Mm -hmm. So I really focus on both the cognitions and also the behaviors to have um, healthy behavior change. So it's really, I was reading it this morning, actually working on it. And in my mind, as I'm reading it, I'm like, could an eight-year-old read this?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And the answer I would like to think is yes. And when I have someone look at it and and review it, I want them to say yes. And then could an 80 year old read this? Um, Absolutely. So I want it to be um, very global and transferable.
0: Well, one thing that I noticed with all of your books, and I should uh, mention a couple of the recent books, um, you authored several books, including the Ultimate Achievement Journal, Daily Inspiration for Peak Performance or Peak fitness performance and the inside drive nine ways champion athletes achieve greatness and how you can too in your business. And this new one, it sounds like I, I like this achievement journal because it's one thing to talk about it. And it's another one to apply it to your real life. And so that journal, when I was looking into it, it allowed you to actually do some reflection and then jot things down in that journal to help you stay focused and figure out what your target is. And it sounds like this new book is similar in that application process. You want people to actually not only learn from it, but apply it to their lives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. On each, on, in the Inside the chapters, it's asking questions, yes or no. It's asking them to journal things down. They're uh, almost like a workbook as opposed to just a, a reading book. That's mm-hmm. that's my focus com- for my entire career. I want people to to walk away with, I can do this, and this is how I can do this. Well,
0: it sounds great. Uh, I, I try to apply this to our audience, and a lot of them are students uh, in in the field of psychology. So. Do you have any practical strategies that psychology students can implement to develop their own mental toughness or mental resilience and well-being while pursuing a career in sports psychology?
1: I think one of the greatest things I did when I was going through school is I actually started my business, however small, I started consulting in my master's program. Okay. So I, I didn't, there's this, um, there's this, sometimes this belief if I, I have to have the degree, I have to have all the knowledge and then I'll start. And I'm not a big believer of that. I believe that we learn by doing. So if you are a former athlete, which many people pursuing sports psychology is, go and grab your connections, go and talk to the people that you already know and volunteer. It's Not like I got paid for everything, but just go and volunteer and start Um, and start implementing immediately. So again, I was a ski racer and my master's degree, I let everyone know back home in Canada, where I started all the coaches that I was pursuing, and I was ready to work with athletes. And so I started, I started my consulting practice my first year of my master's program. And I think that's really important as as we are learning the content to start using the content as well.
0: Well, I like that you mentioned that. And and of course, um, let me go ahead and instead of looking over here, I'm going to share my screen again for everybody who's uh, watching. Of course, we'll put all of your websites up here as well as the information on your books and social media, but I love going to LinkedIn because they have a section, if you haven't been to LinkedIn, uh, they have a section on about, and then experience, and then education, and what I liked here is that, yeah, you, you were a graduate assistant, both at University of Florida and Northern Colorado, and then you were an adjunct professor, are you still there, by the way?
1: I'm not that stopped um just about after COVID. Um okay. that stopped during there. But yeah, I became a professor while I was still pursuing my my my
0: doctorate. hmm Yeah. And and so it's nice to see that you have that experience. And to your point, don't wait until you think that you're the complete total expert. You become the expert while you put yourself out there and engage in these conversations and engage in this education and help in the training uh, of people in and outside your field as well. And that's another way of, of expanding your network as well, Haley. So it's nice to hear and it's refreshing to hear that you don't feel that you need to be the expert in order to actually put yourself out there. Uh, you become the expert through all of this experience as well. So uh, tell me a little bit more about this MSESS in Sport (laughs) Pedagogy uh, at University of Florida.
1: Yeah, that's just how they did it. Masters of Science in Exercise and Sport Science. Yes, yes.
0: (laughs) One of the longer, one of the longer acronyms that I come across, but I wanted you to make sure that uh, I, I, Referred to it. I looked it up and I'm going, I think it's this, but I want to hear from the source. So uh...
1: I remembered it.
0: (laughs) <laughs> but no, it's it's fun to see all of your uh, stuff. You had three tri- uh, tips. This was a more recent one, a couple months ago. Three tips to increase your motivation to exercise. You had a, a bunch of stuff here that you were featured in this new survey, talking about how you can crush their gym anxiety. I know that people who try to get in shape and especially strength training you have to head to the gym and it can be intimidating if you see these people that have been there for years and years and you're just going in for the first time. Oh my gosh, I turn around and just turn, you know, walk away. So, I loved reading about this. We'll include this as well. But the other thing that I wanted to highlight here and I'll stop share is, you know, uh, any any tips for people who uh, to get them and stay motivated while exercising and strength training. Just general overall tips that you could provide for us because here we are coming out of COVID. We want to exercise more, maybe do a little bit more uh, strength training. Any tips that you can provide for us to uh, keep us motivated?
1: Yeah. So I believe motivation is a consistent thing. I, I oh, the name he's so popular and I forget, but, um, it was, you know, motivation is, a, is something we have to work for just like showering. Like we have to bathe every day. We have to motivate every day. And we oh, yeah. really botched that quote, but, um, <laughs> we need it. We need it every day. And the every day is about building habits. And I think where all of us get wrong in exercise is that the recommendation is three to five times a week. Well, the recommendation is yo-yoing. You get in for three days, you get out for, you know, for four, you get in for five days, you get out for two. I'm not a big component of, um, um, cheerleader of that. I like every day now, not every day, an hour, every day, 10 minutes. And it doesn't necessarily have to be high intensity. It can just be doing, you know, relaxation yoga, but carving out the space the time, the moment for exercise. And again, it may not be high intensity exercise, but just we're going to label it as exercise. And you do this every day, you build the habit. Mm -hmm. And then you start, you know, using that habit to build your strength, you start using the habit to to build your cardiovascular flexibility.
0: I'm going to return to your private practice or your business for a second. A lot of people want to start their private practice. Most of them are clinical psychologists and they want to apply what they've learned in their degree. But in your case, you're applying it in a different way, but it's still a business. And so you have to open and run that business. Can you recall some of the biggest challenges that you experienced while you were opening up your business and how did you overcome them?
1: I think the biggest challenge is where way I (laughs) begin? you know, like, I, I mean, I did, I, I went, actually, I think that was the biggest challenge. Where do I begin? So this is what I did for myself. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: A little bit different than than others may have recommended in the past. I asked myself, where can I go where no other sports psychologist is? Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to compete with other sports psychologists because they're already been doing it for years and I'm just starting out. So for me, I was already a fitness instructor and um, personal trainer and, you know, kinesiology degree. So I actually went to fitness conferences mm-hmm. as a sports psychology expert. And I asked to present on, you know, coping with anxiety in the gym and getting motivated in the gym. Nothing to do with sport, all fitness, mm-hmm. but I wasn't competing you know, to present at a sports psychology conference. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing. So I went where no one else was, even for the university, the professorship, I, you know, in Colorado, there was no sports psychology undergraduate, um, definitely not a program, but not even a course. Mm -hmm. So I called up university of Colorado and Colorado Springs. And I, asked to go down there and meet with the, and and meet with the director. And I asked if they would be interested in having a sports psychology course. And they said, yes. And Mm -hmm. then it was sports psychology undergrad. Then I taught graduate health behavior change. So I literally went where there wasn't anything already existing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, that's a good story. That's a good reminder. Don't follow everybody else and, and find where your niche, you could actually create your niche. And don't be afraid to ask. The worst that's going to happen is they're going to say no. Oh, yeah,
1: So, <laughs> in
0: your experience, what qualities or characteristics do you believe are the most important for a successful sports psychologist to possess?
1: That's an easy question for me because what I hear most often from the athletes that I work with and also the parents is that I care
0: Mm.
1: and it's very interesting. And we think, well, that's a given, but it's not a given for Mm -hmm. parents to highlight that for, for athletes to highlight. I really like working with you because you really care about me. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't say it if it didn't stand out. Right. So don't do this. If you don't care, being in the field of psychology, if you don't truly care about everyone you're working with, find something else to do. So really um, focus on the focus on letting them know that you care. And, and the second one is I don't believe in one size fits all. So when I'm working one-on-one with anybody, sport, business, wellness, I don't believe, like I know exactly, you know, I just don't come across, well, you have to do this because that's what everyone does. Or that's what the theory says, or that's what the model dictates or what, you know, research everyone is unique. Um, obviously anxiety is anxiety, fear is fear, but let them, you know, use their own experiences, use their own life to tailor the way you teach the
0: tools. Very good advice. I see on your website that you have uh, a number of brands and media publications and corporations, companies that you work with, ESPN, uh, Caribou Coffee, or is that Starbucks? I'm not a coffee Starbucks, drinker. Starbucks. Starbucks. You're Thank you. <laughs> okay. Yes, US, I'm
1: ready
0: for you though. <laughs> yep, the, the the U.S. Ski Team, of course. Iron Man, Morgan Stanley, Bristol Spy, Bristol Myers Squibb, Marriott, uh, and and many others. So, can you identify some of the most challenging, without revealing your your clients and and keeping that um, confidential? What were some of the most challenging? clients and and problems that you had to address being a sports psychologist.
1: I have to think about that because I I'm I'm fortunate. So, so one of my area of improvements for myself, one of the mm-hmm. things that I need to do better, even though you've been showing my website and everything and everything like that, that is not my area of expertise. That is not my strength online presence. Mm-hmm. One of my, one of the strengths that I have is I I'm better selling from the stage, if you will, than selling mm-hmm. myself on the phone or from online. Okay. So I have been fortunate in my business to, I mean, I could tell you my first athlete and I could draw the tr- the line of how I get to all the athletes. Same thing with my business corporations, you know, I get up on stage and, um, I speak and then from there it's referral. Every every company that you just mentioned there has been from a referral. Sure. The one thing that sometimes I don't necessarily think of it as a challenge, but they do ask me your sport. How can how are you going to be able to talk and connect with my employees? Right. And, but I will also tell you that because it's referral, people do that for me. People share, mm-hmm. people tell, answer that question for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, for me, the biggest challenge is to just become, um, just, just to become known because I'm not, I don't have a huge online presence. So that's my biggest challenge for me.
0: Well, hopefully being on this podcast, we're helping yes. you in uh, uh, yes. address that challenge. So <laughs> the other thing that came to mind when I was reading about you uh, is And we already mentioned one of these. So my question is, what are some common misconceptions about sports psychology and how would you address them for psychology students entering the field?
1: For sports psychology in particular? Yes. Um, That's a great great question. Probably maybe thinking that sport's unique or you can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. I don't think sports psychology is unique and in, in fact a lot of the theories came from industrial psychology and then was applied mm-hmm. to sport first so I, I I believe you know it's 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 a good and bad it's sports psychology is great because you have this niche sports psychology is bad because you have this niche <laughs> and then right. you can, people think you can't <laughs> you know um, broaden your horizons but I'm not the first to do it um I have in fact I have a mentor Dr Jim lair who's a sports psychologist who, completely went into the corporate world with his sports so it's been it's been done long before I started and it can be done long after so I think that might just be the you know use it use sports psychology to make you unique Mm -hmm. but then realize that the actual principles and concepts and tools are not unique at all they're totally applicable.
0: Nice summary as the field of sports psychology continues to evolve what do you feel are the most pressing issues in the field?
1: I think a lot of coaches think that they they can do sports psychology. We're getting better. We're getting better. But certainly when I started, I think a lot of coaches, a lot of managers, a lot of parents, a lot of teammates, like sports psychology, you only brought in if it was very you know, very necessary. I remember I had an athlete come to see me and it was because they already looked at nutrition, conditioning, coaching. I mean, they went through the entire list and they couldn't figure out what was wrong. Okay. Now we'll go to a sports psychologist. I think we're getting better, but we still have, we still have a lot to do. And to this day, I think there are, and I will say coaches because um, coaches are the ones that are leading the team. Often they believe that, that they can do the work of a sports psychologist and there are many reasons why they can't all completely like everything that a sports psychologist does. And one, just being sometimes athletes need an external source. Like they just sure. need to go to go outside and they're not going to be completely vulnerable with a coach. That's just right. one example. So we need to, a sports psychologist, um, uh, help, help the teams know that we're not just there to make everyone think more. In fact, my whole philosophy is think less more strategically. mm mm-hmm. And then also be more of a, there's still to this day coaches who are reluctant to speak to me because they think I'm going to disagree with them, or they think I'm going to come in and, and throw, you know, turn everything upside down. That's not what I want to do. I want to compliment. So just still, we still have a little bit work to do getting in, you know, making sports psychology a natural part of a sports practice.
0: So you might think of it as, and and put it to the coaches and teams as bring in your sports psychologist early and often. Mm -hmm. That way we can compliment you and help them improve much faster instead of waiting until you go through your list and you haven't figured it out. I'm not a last resort. Bring me in right away.
1: I love it. We're doing a much better job than, you know, from years ago, we really are. And there's still work to do.
0: What do you love most about your job?
1: I love (laughs) when I, so the sport is my passion. I do love everything else, but I love when an athlete to, when an athlete texts me, actually there are three things that I love about my job. One is when an athlete texts me and saying, I am just about to compete and I, I need a reminder. I need, or I need, you know, I'm feeling anxious and that's usually someone who's just started working with me, but I love that because a, they feel, they feel comfortable reaching out to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And to me, that means everything, because that means I did a good job reaching and developing that relationship and b they trust me and c they see the significance in the mental aspect of it. They're not going to anybody else. or are going to me to help them with their mind to help them perform. So I love that. I also love when an athlete reaches out to me on their own accord to tell me that they did it
0: nice and
1: that it yeah. worked. And then, you know, really, um, fitting to your, to your podcast and, and everything that you do with this, but with a master's of psychology is, um, when I was a professor and still to this day, I have athletes too, who I'm consulting, ask me or tell me that they want to do sports psychology as a career. Yeah. And that just, I mean, that's what happened with me. A sports psychologist came and spoke to me at 12 and that's what I did. And it makes uh, it it worthwhile when people want to see what I do and then want to do what I do.
0: I can relate to that last one. I was a teacher for a number of years and and I had some students come up to me and say, Brad, based on all the courses I've taken from you, I now want to become an interpersonal communication professor and, and I want to teach that. So Uh, it it just sinks in. And it's more than, hey, you did a good job today, or I liked your presentation. Thank you. But those real life moments uh, sink in a lot. I wish I had a sports psychologist when I was competing in high school. And as a senior, I was ranked number one in uh, the discus. And this is just a personal uh, short story. But uh, in the end, it's very applicable here. So i was ranked number one which meant that i would be the last person to throw the discus during the final tournament and so uh at the end of the year um i if i just had thrown my normal average distance i would have gotten first place but what screwed up everything in my mind is if you know anything about uh um, uh, throwing the discus you're you're facing the bleachers with all of the uh, uh, all of the uh, visitors and then the fence is right there and so Of all the, um, competitions that my mom decided to go to, she showed up at this one without telling me, Uh not only, not only she showed up, but my previous coach showed up and they were sitting right there. And so when I got into the ring, I'm like, oh my gosh. And and I, I got off my game right away. I scratched my first throw, and then I made uh, a legitimate throw the second one, and then I tried to do better the third one, and I came in third place. But if I would have just thrown my normal, I would have just uh, won the tournament and and. I look back at that. And I'm like, Oh, I felt so bad. I even apologized on the walk back. The walk of shame is what I remember. Oh, third place. I, yeah. And I, and I went back to my coach, my previous coach, and I said, I'm really sorry, I screwed up and everything else. But I look back at that. And that was just a mental thing that I could have overcome and positioned it in a different way. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's back in high school, but I, as soon as you were talking about that, somebody calling you or texting you and said, I I wish I had that at that point. Oh my gosh, my mom's here. How do I overcome this? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Do you have any personal or professional goals that you hope to achieve in the future?
1: So right now, this, this final book, and I shouldn't say final book, but this book that I'm reading right now is something that, um, I'm really passionate about it, taking my time on it um cuz i want it i want it to i want it to spread more than than the than the other books um my reasoning for this book is a little bit, is a little bit um, stronger than the than the others mm-hmm. so that's definitely a goal of mine um i i am honored to be on this podcast to be completely honest it is just you know when someone asks me you know, how do I become a sports psychologist? I mean, that's essentially what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And so just spreading, spreading the word. And I am not a, <laughs> my family would, would agree with this statement and everyone that knows me, I don't necessarily go according to, uh, go according to the the right path that everyone should take, you know, the, the should, I'm not a should person. Um, so I, I do tend to think of myself as a little bit of a trailblazer. So mm-hmm. um I, I want to continue on that path. I don't, I never want to fall into some type of like cookie cutter business. So my goal is just to do things um, the way that makes me feel good. Cause I, I once did something that I thought was the right thing to do, but it didn't make me feel good. If that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And my goal now is to do the things that truly make me feel like I am contributing in a way that makes me feel comfortable.
0: I like so. that summary. Thank you. Um at the end of all of our podcasts we usually ask some fun questions and so uh the first fun question that I usually ask is tell us something unique about yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh well in addition to you know my kinesiology and masters and phd I am also a licensed bartender. oh wow (laughs) because you never know when at the end of the day you just need a shot right (laughs) none of the mental tool toughness tools uh work you just you just grab a shot but that's something unique um, that people kind of find funny even though I hardly drink and I probably and I've never worked as a bartender I did go to I did go to school for it
0: (laughs) so what what made you do that were you originally thinking oh I got to make some extra money and this might be a good uh way to do that and then you decided no I don't want to do that but you went through the course anyway
1: no, you know, in Canada, you can drink younger than you can. Um, oh, so I see. It's, it's it's nineteen and eighteen in some in some provinces. And my high school, there was some, even though I was still underage, but um, they were doing this course. And so, a friend, a couple of friends, and I did it for two weeks. Cool.
0: Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, what is your favorite term, principle, or theory, and why?
1: You gotta want it more than you fear it. Okay. And I mean, I just used this yesterday. I am picking up mountain biking. I'm in my second year and it is by far my most feared sport. And yesterday, uh, like every mountain biking ride I go on, there comes a point where there's this rock or there's cliff or something. And I have to cognitively want it more than I fear it. It's not that I'm not afraid. I don't believe in not being afraid completely, but I have to choose. So um, I really focus on that with every aspect of my life because there's all things to fear. I, I, do I want this more than I fear? And if the answer is yes, then you figure out a way to, you find a way.
0: And what we were talking about earlier is all of these can be applied outside of the sport you know, analogy as well. I, I want a new career direction. I want to uh, get promoted. I want to do this. I want to start a side business. And just like you said, you have to want it more than you fear it. And that will help you move forward. So I love that. I love that. Do you have any other advice for those interested in the field of sports psychology?
1: It's similar to what we talked about before. Get your toes wet. You know, you don't have to wait until you have all the credentials and all the the confidence because you'll never, I still have so much to learn. I still doubt, but but you you just get your toe wet and then another toe. And then, you know, then next thing you know, you're in it. Mm -hmm. And, and it's amazing. And keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open for opportunities because they are everywhere. So again, it's not just a straight line, or, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the next step now that I've completed my master's. This is this is now how I go and apply for jobs. I applied for jobs that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So just keep your eyes open and create opportunity. Be creative.
0: Nice. If you have the time or money to complete one project or go on one trip, what would you do?
1: <laughs> before COVID, right before COVID, um, we went to Australia for, we were supposed to go to Australia for for a week and then, or a week and a half in the New Zealand, but there were fires in Australia, if you remember. So I spent 24 hours in Sydney and then I went to New Zealand from there. Um, I would love to go there and um, there's actually some connections to some rugby teams as well but i really would love to to go to australia and new zealand and see how i could see that part of the world and then also contribute
0: nice haley is there anything else that you'd like to discuss or bring up in this podcast
1: i just want to thank you i really now i know when people ask me when parents say oh my my kid is looking at at psychology where do i go i can i know now know that i can direct them to this particular podcast and to your entire website Um, so I just think it's fabulous what you're doing. And I just want to share that.
0: I appreciate the support and the encouragement as well. Thanks again for sharing your journey with us and especially some of your bits of advice.
1: Thank you, Brad.
0: Thanks for listening to the Masters in Psychology podcast. If you want to learn more about our guest or listen to other podcasts, you can visit our website, mastersinpsychology.com, where you can search through all of the schools in the United States that offer advanced degrees in psychology. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And remember, if you enjoyed this podcast, please like, follow, or share.